Vanessa, would you drop kick a monkey? <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I just... Yes. <laughs> As a lawyer, I advise you not to Thanks. answer on the record. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Bull and the Badger podcast. My name is Vanessa. I'm the Bull. I am April. I am the Badger. No, wait. <laughs> hey, you tricked me. Did you do that on purpose? You'll never know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Vanessa! <laughs> You're so proud of yourself. <laughs> I'm kind of patting myself on the back right now. Um, so I'm... Okay. <laughs> I'm the Badger. Um, Vanessa Yee. I'm April. I need to regroup. <laughs> well, this is the podcast where Asian American culture and mental health intersect. And sometimes we trick each other <laughs> into mental health <laughs> and laughter. <laughs> in this podcast in particular, I think uh, this was April's idea. I'm not going to take credit for it because it's, it's way too awesome to be my idea. But basically today we're going to talk about... Power Asians. Asians. <laughs> we almost got that. We almost. We should. No, let's not try again. Power. <laughs> I was setting you up the way you wanted to do it. That's think, totally working out. I think you should say power Asians together. Both words. Like I don't want okay, one, two, ready? Three. Power Asians. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh my gosh. That's what friends Where are do you, I stop and where do you begin? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. <sighs> so anyway, Power Asians. What comes to mind when you think about that, Vanessa? We should just go back to Russell Wong. <laughs> <laughs> Any excuse to talk about him. Amen. <laughs> um, no, you know, I think of uh, power suits, like uh-huh. 80s power suits uh-huh. with like really angular shoulders. But um, no, I, I guess I, I guess I think of like Hollywood Asians. But then I think you have a very different idea of power <laughs> Asians. Well, I um, it's, it's a term. I'm not going to take credit for it either because it's not my term. It's a term that a friend of mine uses to describe sort of like, I don't know when you're kind of just out of college, um, maybe going to grad school, maybe becoming a professional already. And you know, you've gone the way that your parents have wanted you to go, which is law accounting, um, engineering, being a doctor. You really have that much power as an accountant though. (laughs) I just and when I mean power, I mean money. Oh, <laughs> more money, more problems. So you have like these herds of very young, very successful Asians, like you know, out at the clubs or like you know, is with their expensive cars all pulling up to their like Arcadia house, you know, their parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I used to think of too was like a lot of those people who were like living in Alhambra, San Gabriel, like they would have these really small, like kind of one story houses, but then they would pull up in their Ferraris and I was like, what is the deal here? <laughs> Still happening. Right. Yeah. I just don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Man. Yeah. And I think it's a phenomenon that, that, um, that I'm sort of, I think that, that we all kind of are familiar with because we, Who's we? all, 
the two and three of us <laughs> okay. sitting and, here. And Peanut. And Peanut. <laughs> Peanut's like, yeah, Why I know. Why beyond his years? Um, are familiar with because we grew up with people who all became very, very, not all, many became very, very, very successful. Definitely successful um, percentage-wise. That's sort of out of the norm, you know, when you take, mm. like, a random group of people. Um, and, uh, yeah. I mean, my friends and I sort of talk about it a little disdainfully, or at least we did back in the day. But I think, like, you know, at the age we are now, like, you know, I think that people are sort of becoming their own and... and doing things more purposefully and with more meaning, you know? Mm. Does that make sense? With more agency. With more agency. Oh, yes. I like that. Because I think <clears throat> it, it kind of gives that definition a lot more, like, layers, like, mm-hmm. a lot more nuance. Because it's not just about the accumulation of wealth mm-hmm. or, or... Or esteem. Or control or esteem. Or yeah. the success perm. Success perm. Oh, my God. I was just telling you, Vanessa, I just watched all of the episodes of Fresh <laughs> Off the Boat, and that was my favorite one. That was one. the best one by far. <laughs> the success perm was amazing. <laughs> so true. I, I never got one, so I couldn't identify, but I, I wanted to. I had one in the fourth so... grade. And <laughs> two in the fourth grade. You were so successful so, at such a young such age. A that was prophetic. <laughs> well, do you want to, shall we bring Jade into the conversation? Yeah, introduce her, please. Okay, well, today we have Jade... <laughs> I totally messed that up, probably. Um, it's, I'm Cantonese, guys. Okay. But I'm Cantonese from a long ways off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Jade, um, I think we actually went to middle school together. Is that we correct? Did, yes. But Hills Middle School, she was totally part of... Um, uh, no, you were part of the band. But you also did drill team, right? I was drill team and orchestra. Oh. So you knew Vanessa in her gangbanger days? I did. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I did. Why do you keep using that word, gangbanger? Because I was obviously like a cholita, right? (laughs) That's just how I rolled back then. (laughs) I couldn't even say rolled. Yes. Uh, and uh, and uh, sorry, go Tasmanian ahead. Devil. Tasmanian Devil. <laughs> Rebel Days. <laughs> oh, Plaid baggy, baggy overalls. Yes. <laughs> I remember those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, Jade actually uh, was also in speech and debate in high school. Woo! Which is how I wasn't, we actually. Yes, you were. I, a lot she, of people she, think she that for some reason. You were in my class. <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> What? Yeah. Did you no. just hang out with us a lot? I did. I had. Like, Wait, like, you like a, I was a tertiary. A, I was a speech and debate groupie. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I distinctly remember your face in second period Every speech day. and debate. Was I in the wrong class? How are you a speech and debate groupie? <laughs> First of all, I like that we had groupies. <laughs> yeah, we totally yeah. did. Well, all, you know, we were it was our a own cool groupies. thing to do. I'm so sorry. I should have checked in on that. I was so sure that you were from speech and debate. No, but we do have distinct. No, you're memories. like the fourth person to say. Wait, really? Didn't, oh, yeah. didn't she no, have like a so jacket strange. too? Like, <laughs> remember the white jackets that we wore? <laughs> yeah. Why did we choose white? We're I don't so know. dumb. They were we're so terrible. Dumb. I know. But you did government. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I did and senior team. men and women. No. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you would have a success perm in fourth who, grade. I know. Who it, is this person? It today? didn't carry <laughs> over to 12th grade. Yeah, I don't know who she is. We got the wrong age. <laughs> we got the wrong Jade. <laughs> it's all a sham. 
you um, distract her, I'll call the authorities. I was. <laughs> but check her ID first. It was just the most successful PR scam of, of Arcadia <laughs> High School history. <laughs> it was really important. But we were, were we on uh, ASB together? Yes. Okay. Treasurer. We should just name all the clubs. I would have loved it if you no. Uh, I actually didn't do anything in high school. CSF? CSF was um, nothing. Yeah, but you, you you sign up. Yeah, I think I sign up for Yeah, that. you sign up. Yeah, you gotta yeah. pay the fees to be like, yeah, I was California State Federation. I do, I, I, I do, I remember, I distinctly remember Vanessa from ASB in oh, the, um, no. <laughs> in the sort of passing of the torch. Um, Wait, you were a historian then? No, no, After no. Me? No, because you're a year ahead of me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the year that you guys were phasing out and our oh, class was coming in. I know exactly <laughs> what you're going to tell. Oh, yeah. okay, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. We, there, there is a tradition of the new class um, teepeeing the old, the houses of oh, the outgoing man, was, class. controversy, dude. It was, it, it, it became quite Didn't it antagonistic. raw seafood in some <laughs> It was raw meat, for there sure. Was definitely that was definitely involved. I feel like that was Sean Dulaki. I'm calling him out, like, right <laughs> wow, now. I didn't say anything. <gasps> I didn't name names. She didn't betray you, Sean. I'm, because he was Wait, ASB president, right? He was. Yeah, so. Did you guys see that I'm video of him in a anything. Korean um, romantic movie on YouTube. I haven't seen it. I know that he's been he's building well. his pop yeah. career over there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like him and, and Tom are like uh, a secret power couple. Tom Shia. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've talked to Tom about his documentary. And yeah, it's great. He was going for grants that I was going, or Who's he had that? already gotten grants that I wanted. Who that? Tom Shaw. He was in t- Speech and Debate. He did it. They had their duo together, mm-hmm. right? Um, oh yeah, they had maybe a, with Nelson. Nelson, I remember Nelson. Nelson. Yeah. I don't remember Tom. Yeah, Tom was taller, <clears throat> long face. What's his documentary about? It's called um, Chris, uh, Christmas Without China, and um, it's basically. And I'm plugging your doc now, Tom. <laughs> Congrats. Um, but basically, it's, we can it's, get this out of you. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll figure it out. But basically, it's about um, this uh, white family. I don't know if it's in Arcadia, but they choose to go through. Arcadia, yeah. Oh my gosh, there's still white families in Arcadia. Some congratulations. I went to Arcadia recently, and I was like, whoa, this is different. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no more white people. <laughs> wait, wait, what do they call it? The Chinese Beverly Hills? Mm-hmm. Do they? Some BS like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, that's lame. Beverly Hills is. Not as cool as our <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But like, uh, yeah, it's it's a weird place now. So, um, and we'll come to that to that later. But um, yeah, no. Uh, this white family chose to not use any products from China, and just to see how difficult it would be. And so, they had to buy like even Christmas lights. They had to buy them for like Mexico. And you know, like how at Target and Walmart, they're like ten bucks for like a huge string of lights. It was mm-hmm. like. 50 or it was some exorbitant yeah yeah, expensive price i don't even know where you would find products not from china to be honest so it's an interesting experience yeah but he he got to i think what's interesting about the documentary too is not only does he chronicle their experience but he also um he also uh 
gets to talk about his own immigrant experience. So I think that was an important part of the documentary. And I thought like that would, it would be good to talk to him about like some of the grants that he got just because one, I know him, but two, like having to do your own personal story and do that kind of stuff. But it was released last year. No, two years ago, two years ago, two, year, think, two yeah. years ago, I think it premiered at the um, San Francisco Asian American Film Fest, which is also known as ChemFest now. So, oh. yeah, it did really well. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's 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 a power power Asian in some senses. That's our theme song for power Asians. I think it, it needs to be. It needs to sound a little more um, like Oriental, guys. That's right. Oriental. I said Oriental. That's so racist. I know. <laughs> My goodness. Well, Jade, um, did that, did the little, uh, how does Power Asian, do that? Something that you can relate to or? Yeah, it's, it's funny because I think my initial, who I think of as a Power Asian right off the bat is very different from what you guys think of. Uh-huh. Ooh, um, and, and both of you guys have very different uh, definitions, but for me, I think because my, my schooling and training has been so steeped in the sort of legal and history, historical developments. Um, and for you podcast listeners, I am an attorney. Uh, um, that Jade when, Lung, attorney at law. Attorney <laughs> Esquire. Oh, shoot. I don't even know what that means, but I like it. Go on. Um, so when I think of power Asian, I think of community leaders. Uh-huh. Um, who generally are are not the ones in suits and are are not the ones like Gracely Boggs. And, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. and and really the ones that are sort of marching out on the street and and creating change that way. Uh-huh. Um, so that's that's my initial thought, but I can definitely see where you know, April's the, definition is coming. Well, this from. definition comes from like eight years ago. Yeah. <laughs> she thought of the do-gooders, dude. She's yeah. like she's all like steeped in like Asian American cultural history and like those people who are fighting for like you know I, not leaving the hyphen in Asian American meanwhile I am steeped in disdain <laughs> that covers up jealousy and <laughs> parental disapproval <laughs> I bet they had to fight a lot of that I mean so oh, what, yeah. what kind of um, law do you practice I do employment law okay and, um, I have no idea what that means. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, there's no reason you should. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I work for a large-ish law firm and wear suits every day. And, <laughs> you know, uh, I uh, we represent uh, companies that get sued by their employers mm. or employees. Thanks. Okay. So, <laughs> We can do that Let's over. Cut that out. <laughs> Let's do the. You want to do it over? We can do it over. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> but okay, so so tell us about your your path through the law world and also Asian American cultural history and how that relates. Is that something that you wanted to do? Like you knew you wanted to be a lawyer, um, or is that something that you came to when you were in college? It's because she watched us do speech and debate. <laughs> Yes, it was. I was so inspired by <laughs> Arcadia this High School speech and debate team. <laughs> I'm like, like slapping my knees over here, and everyone else is just looking at me like I'm an idiot. Um, it was always, it was something that I was interested in, but it was never a. I definitely know I want to be a lawyer, and there's a lot of, there were a lot of times and a lot of aspects of me that a lot of people think, oh, that doesn't seem to jive with being an attorney. 
Like what specifically? Um, the fact that you're like a kind, nice person. Yeah, everyone always says like, "Oh, you're you're way too nice to be in a, to be a lawyer." Um, and I, you know, I I don't really generally like conflict, which mm. is funny for a person who works in conflict every right. day. Do you, <laughs> so, do you ever do you go to trial? Yeah, um, um I haven't yet, uh-huh. but um, you know, and I, I work on cases. A lot of most cases settle outside of court, so mm-hmm. none of my cases have gone all the way through. But is that I a do, relief? I do want to try it. Yeah, um, just to have that experience. It's brutal, though. I mean, especially it seems like especially like at that level of like you know you're representing companies and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah, hard. yeah. Trial yeah. schedules. You know, you're you're in court eight eight hours a day, and then the next six to eight hours you're preparing witnesses for the next day in court. You know, right. so it's it's around the clock um work and if it's a long trial if it's like three or four weeks and it's just insanity right um but i do want to try it mm-hmm. so did you study um whatever it is Employment that you study? Law? uh no not specifically uh-huh. um you get a general education in law school and then um i kind of fell into it and uh-huh. i ended up really liking it so well, that's good. Here I am. <laughs> Versus, like, I fell into it and I hate it. Which, which happens a lot, I'm actually. Not surprised, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, law school, they always tell you it teaches you how to think like a lawyer, mm. which sounds great until you have to go be a lawyer. And you're like, okay, I can think like a lawyer. Uh-huh. What do I do with that? You know? <laughs> so, um, and the different specialties in law are actually, there's there's a lot of differences. Um but where you start out before you even have a chance to really figure out what you like generally really sets your path for, for quite a few years. So oh. I really lucked out. <laughs> right. Yeah. What about it do you enjoy? Um, I like that it's very personal. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which, which sounds like it could be great or it could be awful. really awful. Um, and I think that's true too. Um, but it, I personally like would not be very interested in working in, you know, more of the financial side of of law, you know, there's insurance law and securities law and tax law and all of that stuff. I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. (laughs) I can't (laughs) make myself care. I will not do a good job if I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So he, you know, with employment law, it's all very relatable. You Uh know, it's, you know, everyone's been in those sorts of situations where you're like, okay, maybe I'm not getting paid correctly or, you know, maybe Uh my boss is being a little creepy or, Uh you know, and, and it's, it's really about interpersonal relationships and, um, and a lot of my job is about giving advice to companies for, mm. to avoid litigation and right. how they should handle preventable. Yes, um, so that's great because then I get to you know tell them, okay, well you should be nicer to this person with disabilities, <laughs> or <laughs> you know. So it's almost like I get to try to enforce the laws in a way um, before anything goes wrong. Right. Um, so you know, it's. Uh, I like that it's personal. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's where where people said you shouldn't be a lawyer, that those skills actually come that's back into true. play and make that's you true. a better one because you're more empathetic. Or, yeah, yeah. I, I think that helps. I actually, Do you think there's like a lawyer type? Y- like, there's, 
There's definitely a type that would be more successful uh-huh. as a lawyer. Um, Are they robots? Yes. In disguise? <laughs> yes. I mean, the ones that really succeed, the ones, um, and, you know, if your definition of success is mm. making it as a, you know, top partner in a big law firm, um, they don't, they, they don't sleep. I mean, uh-huh. <laughs> they just straight up do not sleep. <laughs> wow. Um, so yes, they're robots. Um, <laughs> you know, these people are, are, they just keep going on, you know, three hours a night, four hours a night, every night. Do they um, have families? They do. They have families. They, they schedule time in their outlook calendar for them. That's um, nice. You know, um, but it's just, it's a high stress, you know, a career that doesn't mm-hmm. really slow down. And so it, it takes a, it takes someone with a lot of drive and a right. lot of energy right. to keep that up. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to be really type A. <laughs> you know, like, like if you like to make lists, oh. you're going to be a really good lawyer. Well, it's not only lists, right? Because I like making lists and then I just don't follow through. You like the idea of a list. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Like, I like top 10 lists. Does that count? No. You know what? No, it's funny because no. uh, she's like, actually, that's not going to get you anywhere. Be more specific. <laughs> I um, I actually wanted to do law because I knew, my dad had done law and family law specifically really? in Orange County. Oh. Yeah, and that's <laughs> I always I like I like telling this story because he's it was like you know in Orange County a lot of the family law consists around money mm-hmm. and dealing with money, mm-hmm. and I'm sure in some senses that's what um employment law is about too yeah. and like. Yeah. But he had to counsel through these couples, like dealing with money issues and just, you know, they couldn't agree. And yeah, so he, that's why he actually he became a pastor, because he was like, <laughs> I'm basically sitting down and t- counseling people yeah. Yeah. through their marriages, yeah. you know, and he's like, uh, forget really it. Interesting. But yeah, no. And then he, he was like, but I remember early on, I was like, I think I want to be a lawyer, dad. He's like, no, <laughs> too nice. And I was like. I was devastated, but I mean, I think, I think he was right in a way. I, I also yeah. don't have a lawyerly brain, I think. I'm just like, la, 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 top 10 lists. <laughs> but, um, you my know sister's funny. a lawyer. I think that oh, really? she was born a lawyer. Yeah. I think that she, like, she came out of the womb with like uh, a, <laughs> she is your ultimate, ultimate type A personality. Yeah. And I mean, I like lists too, but she really likes lists. <laughs> <laughs> and being organized and doing yeah. things like in a certain Do way, all her you know, like I to need to be stacked neatly. I have to use the correct <laughs> towel when I go to yeah. her house or else I hear about it. <laughs> like, And she'll know. Kind of she'll like, see oh, that she'll the know. other one was twitched aside. <laughs> she'll know and she'll, she'll let me know. <laughs> but Vanessa, she, she's so, really good at that. It's so funny because I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. What? And I ended up a lawyer. <laughs> so you and I are like the exact opposite. <laughs> you have the other life that I could have lived. <laughs> you know what's funny though? I think like with filmmaking, not everybody can do it, obviously, but I feel like it might be easier to come into if you just are a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I tell anybody who's applying to film school. It's like, if you're not sure, it's just like 
be a good storyteller first and then the rest follows, you know, because, yeah. you know, film's really collaborative. So you don't always have to have the visual ideas, but you can you can have a, a story to tell and then you just start telling it. So I encourage you, if you still want to pursue filmmaking. <laughs> is this is this what you tell it's a students one day? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Uh, I mean, like, and like, here's the thing. It's like you, you tell it, but like you at least, you know, believe uh, like a little bit of it. <laughs> but like but like the thing with at least UCLA too is that people come from like absolutely crazy different backgrounds you know mm-hmm. you've got you know applied math majors we've really? got sociologists we've got uh like comparative lit people which seems like a lot closer but um God, what were what were some of my friends doing? Um, I mean, I was working construction, but yeah. that was because I knew I knew <laughs> I wanted to do film, but it was kind of like a thing in between right, college. Right. So, yeah. Well, yay! That's cool yay. to know. <laughs> when, well, okay. You guys so, should have like a day in the life. I know. And, like, Vanessa can shadow Let's Jade. Do Freaky Friday. <laughs> I honestly do not think that. I could do what she does, though. I would love to see you sitting behind a desk with like a power suit on. Like, but then you would like hear like behind me as I do things, like because it would actually be very like Keystone Cops, like Laurel and Hardy, like me falling all over the place. If you look behind her desk, it's just like mountains of paper and like, and then I'm just swan diving into them, like Scrooge. Well, it's funny. I mean, bringing it back to the theme of power Asians, I feel I feel like that like all the time. And my my office is a mess. <laughs> there are mountains of paper everywhere. Um, and I think one thing that I've learned about dealing with you know power whatevers is everyone sort of fakes it till they make it. Mm. Um, and I, I, you know, you, you sort of hear that coming into this world and then you, you realize <laughs> everyone's doing it yeah, <laughs> and yes. you're like, okay, all right. I, um, I don't know how that makes me feel cause it's kind of a weird thing that nobody knows what they're doing. Does but. your, does your job ever make you feel, um, like <laughs> this is not a pun jaded? <laughs> But you were like prefacing it that way. Because <laughs> I just, totally like, meant it. It, yeah. just I just, it just came. It just, I just realized that it would sound really corny, um, or skeptical, or kind of like maybe lose your faith sometimes because it's so um, litigious. Obviously, that's what you do. Lit- um, not yet. Not yet. You're still bright-eyed and pushy-tailed. Yeah, I'm in my fourth year of practicing law. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's a it's a steep learning curve. There's uh-huh. just so much to learn. So I'm finally this year starting to feel like, oh, I've I've done this before, or oh, mm. I sort of feel like I know what I'm doing. Hitting your stride a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. But it's taken this long to begin to feel that way. Um, so I don't. Fortunately, I'm not jaded yet, but I've I've definitely seen it happen. Um, the legal industry has an incredibly quick rate of burnout uh-huh. and a lot of them just leave the legal industry altogether. What do uh-huh. they do? Become filmmakers? Um, maybe. All of them. They all become <laughs> filmmakers. Oh, that's where they all live. A lot of them, a lot of them, <laughs> you know, have like family chances. businesses that they oh, can go into. Okay. Um, I'm so jealous of this one law school uh, classmate that actually worked at the same law firm as me. 
who got married, moved to London, and became a barista and a food blogger. <laughs> what? Yes. That's not even right. <laughs> I know. She just makes amazing food all day. She didn't realize takes that was gorgeous her dream. pictures of it. Oh, oh wow. And... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't even tell you how jealous I am. So, so from what I'm understanding, then lawyering wasn't necessarily something you felt pressured to do, or no, not at all. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, my parents were actually really chill about that. They had suggestions. But <laughs> wait, wait, you didn't see that, but there was a face to go along <laughs> with that. With that tone. What were the suggestions? Um. My mom really thought I should be a a researcher, like a, a oh, okay. in, in a lab, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. science related, right. <laughs> vaguely. Because <laughs> um, growing up, I was I was really shy, um, and what? so yeah, I was. I'm I'm very much an introvert. So my mom thought, okay, well, you know, you you should be in the lab all day, and you know, <laughs> not have to deal with people, and. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Are you similar to your mom personality-wise, or? Um. No, no, not really. Okay. No, I'm I'm more like my dad, and my sister's more like my mom. Um, so my mom actually funny. Um, she when she was in L.A., she worked on a radio station. Um, so very she cool. yeah, she's very gregarious and very outgoing and. So, um, she had suggestions. What was your dad's suggestion for you? Um, he, I think he just wanted me to do anything that would be secure. Oh yeah. Kind of financially secure. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, they knew I was interested in filmmaking, but I don't think any of us really even considered it as a real possibility. Mm. Um, so, oh yeah, you guys, you guys had graduated by then, but all of senior year I had, um, walked around all year with a video camera. That's amazing. Like, ev- like at least a couple of days a week, just like filming my friends and stuff and made a, made a end of the year sort of video yearbook Aww. at the end of the, yeah, it was a huge project and I, oh, I still yeah. have those like little, H- you know, H- HDV tapes or yes, DV it, tapes? Yeah, DV Probably tapes. mini DVs, yeah. Mini, that's exactly what it was. It was mini DVs. I've got, like, an whole tin can full of them that I can't play anymore. The school <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, you technology. can put that into a post house. You can just, like, put it onto DVDs and yeah, stuff like that. I'll have, to, I'll have to figure that <laughs> out. <laughs> your experience like though going through Arcadia and and then to where you are now I guess like was did you feel like you were equipped to do the things that you needed to do and I think I mean even after listening to our podcast about growing up Arcadia like what were those things that like you were like that was me (laughs) I mean basically everything Um, right the Hoff Lakes (laughs) that was me We've had a surprising amount of people really, really just be down with the Hoff Lakes. Yeah. <laughs> They're so good. They are really so good. good. It's like, what are they made of? I don't even care. Yeah. It's so. Hawthorne fruit, we learned. <gasps> what does that mean? I don't know. That's, it's like spelled H-A-W, Hawthorne. It says Hawthorne. 
Oh, because like ha in Chinese is also shrimp. So I was like, yeah. well, how do they make shrimp taste like that? <laughs> so sweet. That is not natural. <laughs> it's probably got MSG. <laughs> sweet MSG. Um, <laughs> so gross. Okay, okay, MSG so, yeah. is so good. And I wish that people would stop disparaging it. Well, you heard the story, right? About the guy who like said MSG was carcinogenic. No. He was basically um, kicked out of the practice. Cause what practice? The medical practice. Because he was some kind of doctor. And like he apparently, he had made up the research because he was angry that he got sick after a night of eating Chinese food. But it was something else. I don't know. Really? Yeah. That's, that's supposedly the new narrative about MSG is uh-huh. that that the guy who first said that MSG is connected to like carcinogenic uh-huh. or like like having allergies and all this stuff uh-huh. it's like all all lies <laughs> msg is like the new autism <laughs> wow yeah well and it's just like I, I think part of it too is like um there's gotta be like a bit of a racist component to like people like hating on msg because it's That's from china crazy. and like you know like people are always like oh toys from china like there's always some like story during christmas about like toys from china having lead in them do you know yeah. what i'm saying like uh-huh. or just being poorly made which is true okay they're poorly made they're true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm just if not, you were a seven year old child would you be able to make it perfectly no <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know, and we can't refute that but like i mean santa's elf <laughs> good, good save good save <laughs> You just ruined Christmas for all the kids listening to this podcast. Oh, man. That means Santa's a Chinese guy? (laughs) But he's a factory owner. Anyway, um, okay. Talk to us about um, Arcadia and, like, how that puts you on the path towards lawyering and power and, well, social justice. Did you feel that, like, pressure to succeed, whether it it sounds like you didn't really come from your parents, but maybe, like, Um, your classmates... I wouldn't call it pressure. Uh-huh. It just was the norm. Uh-huh. Which, oh, like, is water wet? Like, if yeah, you're a fish? Yeah, like, this is just what you do, mm-hmm. you know? You, you're you just expected to, you know, get get straight A's and take all the APs and, and do all the extracurriculars and go to college. That's, you know, like, none of that was ever questioned. Uh-huh. Um, and there weren't really any alternatives mm-hmm. that were talked about or presented mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's just it's just how the world is mm-hmm. um and i that's i'm assuming that's certainly not the experience for people who didn't grow up in arcadia mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think that uh environment did shape a lot of you know, how I ended up becoming the person that I am today. Um, And, you know, in a way, Arcadia was a really good training ground, you know, for very, it's it's a competitive place. It's got a lot of, you know, high achieving people. And so you sort of learn to function at that that level Mm -hmm. and to compete at that level. Um, I think at the same time, a lot, a lot of what, you learn in that type of environment is how to be a good student. And then mm-hmm. what happens when you're not a student anymore? Right. Um, we don't know. That's, that's a scary question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a square, scary question. Um, 
and you can you can plug your ears if you don't want to hear. Spoiler alert. Yeah. For life. No. So, I mean, I think um, it's very competitive in some ways, but also maybe not good at preparing you in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the skills that you think, like, don't fall under that um, umbrella that we're taught? Well... I think one of the one of the reasons that you know we we say diversity is important, right, is because of exposure. Mm-hmm. And so, growing up, I was exposed to you know very Asian immigrant culture, mm-hmm. um, which is you know what informs my social justice bent. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also left me very unprepared to work in an American corporate environment because mm-hmm. um, I come in and, you know, people who have had lawyers in their families for generations who have worked in law firms and, you know, have grown up and gone to company parties like this. And, you know, they, they, they understand this world. They know the language. They know how things work right. and, um, you know, how to work the system. Right. Mm. And... Uh, yeah, that's just not something that I've never been, that I was not exposed to. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, even though in some sense Arcadia was diverse in the, in the way that, you know, it's not all Caucasian. Right. It was also not diverse because it was very siloed off and you can, you sort of, you get in your own little bubble and Mm -hmm. you don't really get to see those other different experiences that, that would have been really helpful. Well, yeah, success is definitely, you know, um, <clears throat> graded literally, you know, like yeah. it's, it's about ranking. It's about right. what, you know, if you're the president of this club or that club and it can't be, it can't be dance team, unfortunately, <laughs> like that didn't have as much social capital. Yeah. I, Why I mean, did I spend so much time on it? <laughs> I know. No, but you actually did have very diverse interests, right? I mean, and that even exposed you to like more types of people. I yeah, remember a yeah. lot of our AP classes just being very monocultural mm-hmm. and, right. you know, just being very like, the, you know, after a while I stopped interacting with white people, you know, just like, <laughs> yeah. well, where did they all go? They weren't yeah. in my AV classes. You're, you're tracked in different academic tracks and then you just, yeah. you stop seeing them. Yeah. But so, um, so you talked about like kind of diversity in that sense. And what were the, some of those other skills that, you know, once you stop being a student that you're like, wait, I need to, I don't know, like build up these other things in my life. Yeah, definitely learning to manage up. What does that mean? Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm still working on that. Tell what? me. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Secrets of adulthood, 101. Um, so, you know, as a student, you're the student, you're the teacher, there's very clear hierarchy, and there's, like, not much you do with that relationship, right? You please your right. teacher by performing well right. as a student. Right, exactly. You you listen to what they say, and you, you re- repeat it, and you regurgitate it. And uh-huh. If you do that well enough, you're a good student. Right. <laughs> um, and I found that in the working world, there's a lot more nuance to that hierarchy, and you're expected to manage expectations. Hmm. Well, you're expected to manage your supervisor's expectations of you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is a crazy thing to wrap your head around <laughs> when you come from, you know, a very deferential cultural uh-huh. background. And then also like you're fresh out of school and right. you've only been in that student role. Um, and I think particularly in the legal field, it was hard because you're expected to be a, an advisor and expected to you know be someone that speaks up and, and says, you know, gives your theory of the case or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely took me some time to be comfortable with that. Right. Um, cause I would sit there in my meetings, you know, dutifully taking notes like a good student. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, I, I fortunately was very lucky to have mentors that, um, pushed me, uh-huh. you know, would very specifically say, I expect you to come with some ideas and, uh-huh. you know, as terrifying as that was, <laughs> you know, that, that was very good for pushing me out of my comfort zone. But, um, you know, all of those are, are sort of soft skills, I guess, that right. you don't really develop in a, in a classroom environment. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think that takes me, I'm still working on that, you know, like how to sort of act as, um, the position that I want rather mm-hmm. than the position that I have. Yeah. Mm. That's um, a good term. <laughs> And they, that, you always talk about that, like dress as the position that you want. Uh-huh. But oh, right. I think it's also like how you behave and, um, you know, you're basically like every day defining what your supervisor can expect from you right. rather than them just telling you. Right. Cause I'm used to people telling me what they want from me and then me yes. doing it and then getting thumbs up about it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, you're part of um, an Asian American organization, mm-hmm. law organization. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. It's um, I'm I'm on the board of the Asian Pacific American Bar Association mm-hmm. of Los Angeles County, um, the official name, uh, APABA for short. Yes. Um, so many A's. Yes. Yeah, I was like, how is that going to translate? <laughs> so many letters. Okay, go on. A for Asians. Um, And we're, uh, I guess, an umbrella organization. There are actually, LA has a lot of, um, I guess you'd call them minority bars um, that are specific to certain cultures. So we have a a, a Chinese law association. There's a Filipino one. There's a Thai one. There's, Mm. um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of separate... um, Asian bars in LA. Can I just point out that that's awesome? Yes. Because so many times, like all the Asian cultures are Asian and pan Asian and there's no delving into that, the specificity of like those different cultures. So kudos to the bar association for like kind of being ahead of the curve. Yeah. (laughs) Is this an old organization? Um, it's, been around. I really should know this. I'm sorry, Apava. Um, <laughs> since I think you're out. <laughs> that sounds about right because, like, a lot of cultural uh, civil rights yeah. movements were happening around that time. Yeah. Even the the idea of ethnic studies. And I mean, there prop- weren't enough Asian lawyers before that to to make mm. a group. Yeah. <laughs> to be to be honest. Sure. Um. So Apaba is sort of the umbrella organization um, that that serves the pan Asian purpose. Um, we have representatives from each of our sister bars of the more specific populations. Um, 
And so we try to, you know, incorporate their interests and events into our calendar and then also do things, you know, on that we that we think you know, would be beneficial to the whole community at large. So, you know, one of the biggest um, pushes right now is to get more um, diversity on the bench, diversity mm. in judges. Yeah. Um, so APABA representatives have been meeting with um, the staff of the governor who appoints uh, people to the bench. And, you know, so doing advocacy like that and then also, you know, doing outreach, we do um monthly clinics, free clinics for the elderly oh. out in Monterey Park and yeah. um, in Chinatown, um, you know, for people who have language um, access issues who can't easily understand um, legal documents and that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and then we also do, you know, professional development stuff with law students. There's, uh, fortunately, we're lucky to have a really excellent law student um population in, in LA with, you know, UCLA and USC and Loyola and Southwestern law schools. Um, they all have really active Asian Pacific American law student associations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's always a lot going on there as well. In those sort of student, um, related associations, do you try to encourage, or does your organization try to encourage sort of like the, the teaching of these soft skills that, <laughs> that was yeah. my dog. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I, I can't speak for all of them. Um, when I was in law school and I was involved in the student orgs, um, we, we did, but I think if I could go back and do it again, I would have more focus on it. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, we, we had, you know, networking functions and, like networking tips 101 type uh-huh. of events. And, um, uh, you know, we would have panels of older students who would come back and talk about their experiences working in a law firm. Um, but I think at that point it's still, yeah, I think there could be more emphasis on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it depends on, on what each organizations doing each year and and their governing boards want to focus on. So Mm -hmm. changes a lot. That's cool. Well, I, I uh, noticed, um, as I was stalking your Facebook, um, (laughs) that, that your organization had helped kind of advocate against, um, I don't know if it was some kind of new law or something that like I, this Iranian judge. Oh yeah. Couldn't yes. um, try other Iranians or something like yes, that. Iranian Americans. Yes, um, we uh, Apaba signed on to an amicus brief, which was just we're not like party to the case, but we're saying, oh, we have an interest in this, and we want to, you know, make our opinions known as well as mm-hmm. a friend of the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Apaba and a bunch of other um, California law. Uh, bar associations um, signed on to this brief saying that um, the Department of Justice, who had recently ordered an Iranian American judge to stand down, to, yeah, to recuse herself, to not be involved in any immigration matters relating to any Iranian nationals, because she is um, she's been an active 
member of Iranian American bar associations mm. in her area. And she's, you know, she's an outspoken member of that community. Um, and the, the Department of Justice, their, uh, their reasoning was that, oh, it, it'll give a, an impression of potential bias, mm. and therefore you should just stay away from those cases altogether. Mm. Um, but, you know, the effect of that is basically penalizing her for her ethnicity, her, her ethnicity for her desire to associate with her community and for, you know, her free speech. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about it, where, where, where do you draw the line? You know, can, can no Latino judges rule on any immigration matters involving any, you know, Mexican or Central American nationals? Uh-huh. I mean, I, I can't imagine anyone ever, you know, thinking that would be allowable. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just because maybe there are fewer Iranian nationals coming through, it, the, you know, just the, on principle, it's not. Right. It's not a workable order, right? Is was were there any uh, precedents for this or not that I'm aware of? Wow. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like there is special attention paid to um, East Asian and near near Asia. What do they call that? The Near East now? They don't the call Near East. It? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and just kind of like Middle Eastern kind of cases, like right, where right. suddenly they're. They're like Porsche re. Wow. <laughs> and this is attempted. Tried to sound smart, just failed. But like where where special attention is paid to these these types of people or these kinds of cases where, you know, we're the new outcasts. We're the new yeah, like the new minority. Suspicious. Remember we were talking uh, a couple a uh, couple episodes ago about no, it was one episode two 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 episodes ago about um, how back in the day when Irish people were not allowed to have certain jobs, right? And now we're the new Irish. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm gonna call Asian people the new Irish. <laughs> you know, like don't don't come here to yeah. be employed. You know, yeah. So yeah. it's it's kind of a strange uh, dynamic. I mean. I, w- I, I want to touch a little bit. You had talked a little bit about um, like the power Asians that you think of are like social justice kind of Asians. And where do you think that came early on in while you were going through Arcadia? Because I was kind of a little more oblivious to a lot of the work that was happening, you know, yeah. in the Asian American community in terms yeah. of, you know, social justice, civil rights. But was it something that happened during law school or? Um Going to Berkeley didn't, didn't, uh, there you go. Um, no, I, I think it started in high school. Um, my sister who's two years, three years older than me, um, went off to college. One of her, I think she minored or maybe double majored in, um, Asian American studies. Okay. And so she was learning a lot about that history in the, in the movements and, um, telling me about it when I was still in high school. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I got, I was, um, I got an earlier, you know, intro to that. Um, and then going to Berkeley, there's just such an amazing community of activism in, Mm -hmm. um, in that, in that community. Um, one of the first people I met on campus is, is the guy that would turn out to be my husband. (laughs) (laughs) And he was very active in that. Um, and so, you know, I just started meeting people that had similar interests and, um, 
I was involved in a student group called. Um, um, Please have the, a lot of the Asian letters. Political <laughs> Association. You know, so they were you know trying to raise awareness of of political issues involving Asian Americans and doing voter drives and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I was just lucky enough to to end up in in places that were very supportive of that. So would you say that you had like a power Asian, like, like trailblazing the way for you each time? Like, so for you, when you were in high school, it was definitely your sister who was like passing all this knowledge. But then, you know, when you went through life, did you have someone who was kind of like modeling other kind of like activist behaviors and things? Um, yeah, I think there definitely are. Um, it was, it's funny because uh, yeah, I, I, I was, I always felt like the student in that, you know, cause I, I, I wasn't as well versed in that history as a lot of others were by the time I got to Berkeley. Um, and then I went off to law school in Chicago. Um, and as much as Chicago is a big city, it's still in the midi in the midis, the Midwest, <laughs> <laughs> the near East as they near call East. it. <laughs> it's still in the Midwest. Right. So, um, there wasn't as much of an Asian population there. Um, a lot of the students in law school weren't, you know, did not come from a social justice perspective. Hmm. Um, and I sort of somehow became known as like the like the radical. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's so that's 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 blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm like really excited right now. And it's, it blew because I was like, I was so moderate at Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely about context. Huh? Yeah, yeah. But, you know, taking that to a different environment is, is really interesting. And so everyone there thought I was totally like the girl that would go on to work for nonprofits and, you know, be the, the social justice warrior and... Um, and then they were all baffled when I was like, I'm going to a law firm. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what were some things like concretely that like gave them these signals? Like what made you the radical? I think I just was on top of what was happening. Um, I posted a lot of articles on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there may be some Facebook rants out there that I should <laughs> take another look at. Um, <laughs> yeah, it? but I mean, I think I just, um, I, you know, I actively sought out opportunities to work with like the Chinatown clinics and the, um, the Asian bar association in Chicago and, you know, interned with them. And so, you know, like my extracurriculars during law school were very, um, Asian community oriented. Mm-hmm. So awesome. I think that's why. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but for me, it was just like, oh, that's just, that was just like the natural thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. And I could use my, my language skills. And that was just sort of the environment where I felt most comfortable. Um, so, yeah. Who were, who were some of the, did you get to meet Grace Lee Boggs if you were like kind of no. out in the area? Yeah, okay. I never did. Who Did you? Who's Grace Lee Boggs? Oh, sorry. Uh, I mean, I'll give a quick definition, and then Jade can actually give you the oh, not-so-Wikipedia version. She can. Okay, go ahead. Grace Lee Boggs um, is, like, a very huge activist. She she was kind of, like, operating with the... Was it... She 
Black Panthers yeah, or something? Yeah, it was the Black yeah. Panthers. And she's just been a force uh, for good in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And I think, um, well, I was first introduced to her um, in the documentary um, uh, The Grace Lee Project, and mm-hmm. um, who is a UCLA filmmaker, by the way. And um, she... Oh, she went to go talk to different Grace Lees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. so um, you know, she was kind of trying to see the very deep range of different types of Grace Lees That's and she's cool. one of those people. So tell tell us a little more about Grace Lee Boggs. I unfortunately don't know many specifics about her. I know she was um definitely a trailblazer. Um she's she's someone that's held up as a symbol for intersectionality. Mm. You know, just bringing, you know, the the idea that injustice for one is injustice for all and um you know, her working with the Black Panthers and not, and, and saying, okay, you know, your cause is my cause because is she we're all minorities together. She's Korean American. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was, that was very much the philosophy, I think, of the early, the earlier Asian American movements because, you know, we, we didn't really have the numbers back then to really mm-hmm. like have a voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, but she's amazing. I never got to meet her. Um, I One of my best experiences from law school was we invited um, Karen Korematsu to be our speaker at um, at one of our Repulsa events, and she is amazing. Who dat? <laughs> who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Who dat? Um, <laughs> she is this incredibly fashionable lady. Um, who was who, who's the daughter of Fred Korematsu, who was the guy in the Supreme Court case that um, basically outlawed um, um, internment. Internment. <laughs> Thank you. That's the word. You got me. There was a recent article about that, actually. Oh, yeah. They're trying to make a Fred Korematsu day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, Fred Korematsu spent his life, um, you know, working for for racial equality and um, and making and and working to make sure that the the story of Japanese internment is is not forgotten and, and pushed aside. Um, and he passed away, I think, in the early two thousands, maybe. Uh-huh. Um, and Karen Korematsu has has. Um, continued his father her father's work uh-huh. um so she's started a korematsu in- institute i think in washington state um she works really closely with a lot of legal organizations um to to help with um racial discrimination mm-hmm. lawsuits mm-hmm. um and she does speaking tours and stuff like that mm-hmm. but um it's just amazing to hear her talk about her you know growing up with her father and, and hearing about his um his his fight, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and how much she still sees a lot of that today, mm-hmm. which is scary and frightening and, yeah. and easy yeah, to forget. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I recently, I feel like I talk about this way too much, but like I recently saw To Be Take. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, George Take. That's okay to talk about this talk. And, um, and when I think about like all the different kinds of Asian Americans there are, you always think of Japanese Americans is the most Americanized because, mm. like, it seems like they've been here the longest. Mm-hmm. They um, haven't been. They haven't. Chinese. Okay. 
But no, no, you're right. I mean, yeah, there's, no, they're like, more uh, visible in terms of their Asian American politics, I yeah. think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it just seems like they they just seem to me the most American. But then I watched To Be Takei, and like, you know, a very, very large chunk of that was talking about George Takei's internment when he mm. was a young a young boy and like how his family dealt with that and you know his family's history and how he still speaks very passionately you know at different um events and and conferences and stuff about um internment and equality you know there was an internment camp in arcadia sending yeah yeah Yeah. crazy yeah so And, and so it really like it reminded me like this was not that long ago yeah you know like it really wasn't that long ago and even though in my mind, like Japanese Americans are quote, you know, more Americanized, like, like what an awful thing to go through, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, it's such a good documentary because it seems so lighthearted because it's George Takei, right. but at the same time, there's so many heavy topics, you know, and That's like the, the archival footage that was included in the documentary was really, really, really like strong and does he say, affecting. oh my? He says it a lot. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> awesome. Decay impressions to be continued. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think that's, I, we, we forget, you know, and it's nice to have people in our lives who remember and who kind of, who do Facebook rants sometimes, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, uh, for you and... <laughs> That's right. Jay's pointing. She's like, who has two thumbs and likes to Facebook rant and help people remember? (laughs) (laughs) Larry, I just want to let you know, you know, went home over the holidays and uh, it was really good, Larry. You know, I sat down with my father and and we had a heart to heart conversation. I was able to tell him just all the things that he'd done to hurt me. And we reached some real resolution and really got some healing. Larry, I think, you know, I was thinking about you and what you said about your dad. And I really think you ought to try that. And I looked at him and I said, Dick, you know, all I can see is a black hole. What you're describing to me is instant death. Hi, everyone. This is Vanessa. You just heard an excerpt from my doc, The Laundromat personal exploration of the silence and shame in Asian American culture. If you'd like to contribute your story or learn more about the doc, visit atthelaundromat.com. That's A-T-T-H-E laundromat with an O.com. Or visit our Facebook page for the Laundromat documentary. Thanks. In LA for you, what is, who are these uh, power Asians who are leading the way for you? Oh, wow. Um... Definitely Judge Dolly G. Um, she's one of the co-founders of APABA. And I, if you meet her, if you ever meet her, she is this very petite lady. Maybe five feet tall? Teeny tiny. Um, soft-spoken, but so powerful. And it's like, I want that that quiet power it's so amazing (laughs) tell us more she Um, sounds like a superhero she just just has a a presence you know um and she can give you that look 
that'll just stop you in your tracks. Wait, it's amazing. April also has cultivated this look. <laughs> we were talking about this in another well podcast. Done. Yeah, where I like to flip tables and she just gives people the death glare. <laughs> but um, what is it? What is it about her besides her presence? Is there are there things she's doing that are like just? Yeah, well, I mean, she's she's one of the few Asian Americans on the bench, um, and one of the few Asian American women, um, and. And what I particularly love about her story is she got there, you know, not through the... There are certain steps that you can take that'll make you a more viable candidate as a judge. Like more politically. Right, right. Like there, there, there's like a right, there's a path, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and she, she didn't really care about that. And she, she didn't take did shortcuts. what she wanted. Yeah. And, um, she never shirked from speaking her mind, which a lot of people might do because it's politically incorrect or not, you know, maybe too radical. And like, right. she's never shrank from that. Um, and you know, she still got to where she is now, which is amazing. Um, and she's such a lovely, lovely person, you know, like she's. She's powerful, but she's not, um, you know, nasty or, or mean or, or rude in any way, you know? Oh, yeah. I um, know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's so inspirational to see someone who can be so true to herself, um, throughout her path and, and still make it to a traditionally, um, powerful position without having to. You know. Is that your goal? To be on the bench one day? Oh, I don't know. Huh. I don't think so. Okay. Not not at this time. Okay. That's okay. That's okay. Is I that had a to political ask. answer? No. At this time. Very diplomatic, but not political. So it sounds I like to me. my goal is. That's Leave her alone, Vanessa. I know. Plot out your path for the next 50 years. I want to be a filmmaker. Come back to the, to the dark light. Well, uh, I mean, what I what I like from what I'm hearing right now is also like this um, integration of your identity um, in law and and Asian American kind of culture, because I think sometimes I feel like that's at least outside perspective wise that it's a little incompatible. Right. Um, Being uh, Mm non-confrontational and indirect um, kind of working in the shadows, um, you know, to do, to get things done. Um, I don't know. There's, I think there's a lot of things that people perceive about Asians or even that I feel like I've even been taught Mm -hmm. in some ways, Mm -hmm. you know, um, put your head, keep your head down and work hard and and that's enough to succeed. And And yeah, even the whole, like, you know, go for the grade you know, and yeah. not, and like, what are these soft, what are these other soft skills that we're supposed <laughs> to be learning? I don't know, whatever. But like, what, how does it, can you articulate kind of how you see those two things kind of coming together for you? Because they don't seem incompatible to you. That's something that I consciously try to do. Um, some might call it rationalizing. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but not at this time, right? (laughs) Not in this room. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something that's very important to me is, is, is staying true to, you know, who I am and, and, um, my, my cultural identity. Um, and I think I'm, I'm finding that there are, 
there are people and environments that are more um, supportive of that and more um, accommodating to that. And you have to you have to seek those out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a scary leap sometimes, you know, because you don't always know what you're getting into <laughs> with with new with new jobs or new um, supervisors, right. you know, whether it's within a company or or going from company to company um, or, you know, changing a career track altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think, so I recently joined, well, not recently, it's been about six months, um, a new firm. And, and my reason for switching was, I, you know, I felt like there was just a, a cultural mismatch with my first firm. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Um, and I just never quite felt like I was being myself there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked, you know, I, I tried to, I tried different tweaks, you know, on the day-to-day basis, um, and it just wasn't me. Or in what way exactly? Like um, just your own behavior? What? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it sort of goes back to the, it was a very traditional American corporate environment. Uh-huh. Um, and I just never quite felt at home there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe because I didn't have exposure <laughs> to it um, early on. Um, and you know, I can, I can put on the face, I can, I can network and, right. you know, say the right things, but, um, it, it never got more comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's, it's the type of place where, you know, you wear, you wear matching jewelry sets to work. Right. And, you know, you, you carry your Tory, Tory Birch handbag and you're in high heels every day. And, right. Um, it was a little bit too formal and a little too corporate for me. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, uh, in deciding to look for a different firm, um, that was the main thing. I wanted a, a change in culture. Um, and then, and my new place is, is a lot more relaxed, a lot more, um, you know, it's just not so much your traditional, corporate environment um and I'm feeling a lot more comfortable in that (laughs) and I think it's like because most of my work experience prior to this has been in in more community settings right that's where I'm comfortable and um and this firm is really supportive of of doing work in the community and being on you know the bar associations Mm -hmm. and and doing stuff outside of work so Mm -hmm. is that something that you um like researched when you were looking at firms that you might want to work with or yes but every firm will tell you the same thing (laughs) so it's not really possible until you you know get in there and and are able to be interviewed and like Uh actually feel out the vibe and right and ask direct questions yeah not just look at a website right right because every law firm has a a, a whole page on diversity and diversity initiatives and you know, corporate mm-hmm. responsibility and what we do, you know, for the community. So every right. every law firm has great pages mm-hmm. for that. So interesting. But when yeah. you actually went in for like an interview, it felt it yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. No, cool. good for you for finding that. I think it's, that's hard, right? It's it like is. like 
because most of the times we want to be adaptable. We want to fit into yeah, that Yeah, and there's place. this sense that the American corporate culture is is the is the a right like that's Mm. that's the the thing you should be striving to attain Mm -hmm. because that's sort of what you see as successful people Mm -hmm. you know do and where they work in mass media or whatever yeah no Uh, there's there's definitely like colleges we were supposed to apply to right and places we were supposed to do and careers that we're supposed to pursue right so the american corporate place is is that next that's, that's like what the, you're saying that's the success perm <laughs> <laughs> a company that has a big success perm yes. on it right on top of the building <laughs> oh my gosh yeah no and and, and like i i, I kind of speak to that at least in filmmaking a little bit like there were times where like in the roles that we were supposed to play, you know, we were asked to like, my friend was like, Vanessa, in order to do this, you need to be a bitch. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to yell. Right. If I don't need to yell, then I'm not going to yell. Like it just, it doesn't need to be that way. And I don't need to feel compelled to like, I think uh, in some ways doing what I do now, which is post-production reality, it has, is helped me say things more directly and to also not say words like should, probably, maybe, Mm. you know, um, and saying a definite yes or a definite no. And I think that was a language problem. Um, but yeah, I think, um, other than that though, there's not a sense of like as much quashing who I am or what I believe in That's and great. Yeah, yeah yeah but I mean in general like I had to train a lot of things because I'm, I'm asked to keep people on schedules <laughs> And budgets. <laughs> so that's not easy work. Not, yeah, personality-wise, it's not. Yeah. you know, not what I'm used to. But I think uh, interpersonal stuff is more like what I'm, what I like, and mm-hmm. that's why I also think filmmaking is mm-hmm. good for people who love. Inter- I'm just selling. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to. I don't know what I'm trying you're, to do. I'm trying to recruit it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm going through a lot of that right now as well. Is um, figuring out what type of lawyer I want to be mm. and like what style of lawyer I want to be. Cause at my old firm, everyone was very aggressive, everyone mm. that I worked with. And I could never really see myself doing that. You know, I couldn't really be the like law and order type type lawyer. <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah. You're classic. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I'm meeting a lot more attorneys now that are like, that their philosophy is, oh, you catch more flies with honey. So if you're, if you befriend your opponent and like, they'll, they'll tell you things and they'll, you know, they'll give you information without you having to fight for it. And, and you spring the trap. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's more, more up my alley. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about finding your personal style, but, um, it no. takes a while to grow into that. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. And then I think too, when we think about, or when I think about power Asians and anybody in power, um, I, I think about privilege a lot, and I think about how we're privileged. And I feel like also you've been beginning to not beginning to, but like even you know starting in high school, and also when you were in um, at. Uh, was it Northwestern? Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you were using your privilege, you know, to help out like um, those community activities and like how 
Was that something that also started earlier in, t- in terms of like, you know, wielding your privilege and things like that? Wielding my privilege. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. It sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I've been planning to like whip out a sword at that moment, but I decided not to. Because then it would sword of privilege. <laughs> yeah. And I just go bonk. Well, uh, maybe to let you have time to think about that, like I, what you were just saying um, before to follow up with that, like I like, I like the path that you've taken because like it sort of, you know, you have this idea of what you're supposed to be going for and then realizing that that's not working for you yeah. and really trusting your individuality and your instincts, you know, and finding something that fits you. Really? And I'm then, stubborn. What? I'm just really stubborn. <laughs> no, it's I'm like not doing stubborn. everything I don't want to do. <laughs> yes. Come down to that. High five, everybody. High five. Great. I feel like we'll mess it up and just knock mics over instead. We'll, we'll do it after. That is my anthem. Yeah. I don't want to do anything I don't want to do. Cool. There you go. Pretty simple. No, but really, I, I do think that that's that's very cool and it's very brave. And it's like it seems like a small thing, maybe to some people, but you know, the people who you work with on a daily basis and how you feel in an environment, it's really important because this is where you spend a lot of time, and this is a huge part of your life. Mm-hmm. And the more you feel comfortable, the more you feel like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the happier and more successful you'll be. I feel right. You know, and there's you shouldn't feel like so pressure to fit in right. because you think that that's the right way to be or the right, right thing to do. I mean, you do better at things that you want to do. Right, exactly. <laughs> and when you're in a happier environment, or yeah. you know, then yeah, yeah. So now I've totally forgotten Vanessa's question. That's fine. Wielding privilege. (laughs) Wielding your privilege. Well, I mean, uh, I guess just to just to get us jump off start from there is like I I I forget how much privilege I have. You know how much um, how much power I actually have because I think uh, a lot of times power do you have? (laughs) So much power. I was gonna sing a Kanye song, but again, I never know lyrics to anything. Uh, So. all right, I don't want to get <laughs> in trouble. No, 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 no. So, but yeah, like the idea of like, you know, when you have like a certain education, you have this and that, like I, it wasn't until grad school that I actually realized that. And mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of sad to think that it took me that long and it, it took a really like feel good, um, UCLA, uh, job <laughs> I was like a supervisor somewhere and like UCLA has this like something called the core four and then they make you aware of like microaggressions and like Ah, uh, I almost died. I was like political correctness was killing me a little bit. (laughs) But, you know, like knowing that, you know, having a college education, you know, it empowers you. It gives you privilege, you know, coming from a certain place like Arcadia gives you privilege, you know, Um, even even doing what we do and having the jobs that we have like mm-hmm. that gives us privilege so uh, you know more and more i'm trying to like be aware of those kinds of things and yeah. even even as they relate to and trying to veer us back into like a legal space even or even the social justice um sphere of like you know like black lives matter and like the the idea of us partnering again with different you know minority groups to kind of get their voice heard and and just being aware of those things in the world. Um, I guess when you think about your privilege, um, and how you were, 
you know, wielding it back then? Like, did you see it as something that was, um, fulfilling and also like, I don't know, related to your Asian cultural heritage? Cause you were specifically doing like helping immigrant, Mm -hmm. uh, community kind of Mm -hmm. services. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. I mean, so I had mentioned earlier that a lot of people in law school were surprised that I ended up at a law firm rather than working at a nonprofit, you know, mm. doing community work. Um, and I, th- I think I never really felt any um, disconnect in going to work for a law firm mm. because it was always clear to me that I could use that privilege for the community. Um, and I've been lucky enough to, to, you know, be able to get my law firms to be active, to, you know, to take active part in, um, pro bono cases that I really care about. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So, and it's like, you know, if, if you're, it's, <laughs> it's sort of like how Eddie says on fresh off the boat, you know, <laughs> yes. first you got to get a seat at the table and <laughs> then you change the game. <laughs> After meeting Shaq. Um, <laughs> I'm Shaq so glad I watched Fresh Off the Boat. It's like all my life references are in that show. <laughs> Amazing. Um, you know, so for me, it was, all, you know, getting the corporate job was very much like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go get a seat at the table and then, you know, try to start setting the agenda at the table. Um, which involves turning it back to the community. And I think, mm. you know, obviously you need you need work on both sides, right? You need the grassroots, you need the direct um, the direct access, like the law firms aren't going to be going, you know, giving one-on-one immigration advice to yeah. people with no money. So, you know. Feet on the ground kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously you need to, um, you need support on, on all, all sides, but... Um, you know, so that was never really controversial to me was, um, you know, that it's, it's better to have that privilege yeah. and wield the privileged sword. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't feel like you were selling causes. out. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, and then I was always aware that, um, part of my cultural background is having this, having this language ability. Um, one of my first pro bono cases was actually doing an adoption, um, matter for, um, a Chinese family. Mm. And they were like, we need someone that speaks Cantonese. And I was like, I speak Cantonese. Yeah. This is awesome. Canto, canto. Yeah. And this family was from Monterey Park. It was so great. Oh, and, okay. um, and so I go to call, um, the guardian in that, in that family, and it turns out she doesn't technically speak Cantonese. <laughs> was it Toysan? Yes, she oh spoke Toysan, which is sort of close, but not, really not close not enough. Not close. <laughs> and um, and so this was this was the best we could do was like <laughs> me speaking in Cantonese and her talking back in Toysan. And sometimes her granddaughter would be around to help translate, but it was like it was really rough. And then I had to call I I spent like an hour and a half on the phone with my mom saying like mom how do I you know what are the terms for you know how do I say adoption in Chinese (laughs) right Right? like all these legal terms that I don't know from my my family use of right Cantonese um 
So it was, it was just funny because I was so excited to be able to, you know, be to be helping out like people that are so you know close to me. And then I'm like, I don't know how to do this at all. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't even speak the same language. Yeah, right. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it worked out. It was it was an incredible experience. Um, and I think there's just something really special about helping out someone that um, that you're so uniquely situated to help out. Um, and there's just something to be said for, for helping out people who, who, who look and sound like you, you know, like they remind you of your family and your grandmother and, Mm -hmm. you know, your cousins and like, it just feels different. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not to say that, you know, work for any other people are, are not valuable, but Mm -hmm. there's, there's just like a, a personal connection there. Um, so that's always been been really extra rewarding if you could tell your friends how to wield the sword of privilege (laughs) you know in their own communities and things like that what would you what would what kind of advice would you give um i think it's really just about learning how to work the system um you gotta know who holds the purse strings Um, and especially in big corporations, that's not always as obvious as you might think it would be. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of little mini budgets here and there. And so, you know, learning all of that, um, and learning, um, how to make a business case for your community causes. Um, and that's something that I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, this is just a good thing to do. (laughs) These people need help we can give it like why wouldn't we uh-huh. and I had to fill out a form that said like what business development goals will this fulfill and I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's daunting yeah I'm like how will this help our associates develop their skills and I was like Ooh. <laughs> you know but um yeah that's I think you're gonna run into that everywhere it's like if you're asking someone to do you a favor, they're going to ask what's in it for me, um, whether it's a company or, or a person. Um, and you need to be prepared to come up to have a good answer for that. Mm-hmm. So don't get caught off guard like me. <laughs> <laughs> but you worked through it. You got them yeah, to do eventually. the thing. They... <laughs> Just took a little bit longer. Yeah. Right? A little awkward. <laughs> um, so, uh, April, do you have any other other questions or any other thoughts about power Asians? Well, I was going to because um, Jade had brought up the word feelings, and so I was wondering if you knew Jade's cursi. Oh, I thought you were gonna do it earlier when she was talking about being introverted. I've got my about- what? <laughs> Your oh. Myers Briggs oh. temperament. Do you know what it is? But don't I tell don't. me. I don't. Oh dang. Well, she's just gonna guess and then. I mean, I've I've taken the quiz before, but I always get all the initials jumbled up. (laughs) Um, I mean, she's given me a lot of good information, but it's a little, it's hard to parse out where the, some of that stuff begins and ends. Like, I feel like the second letter is going to be the hardest for me to, because what she does is she deals in big concepts, but on a daily basis, they're, they're very... They're done in particulars. Does that make sense? Okay, the first one. But she one, likes lists, so the she's first definitely one an is, I don't I. like lists. Uh-huh. 
You don't like oh lists? Wait, then you're not a real lawyer. Get I'm out. Who is this? We're back to the fact that Jade Long is not Jade Long. Wait, I, are you guys, are I, you I'm ca- a fake it till I, I told you this. I'm oh, faking it till I make it. it. <laughs> okay, I. She's an I, introvert. I, just, I, I just still think that. I still think she's a J, though. Okay. I still think, like, your life, though, you would rather have it be more scheduled than spontaneous. Like, you'd rather have deadlines than have it leave be open-ended. And I'm not just talking about work. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about, like, like if your DVD collection is alphabetized, then yes. Like, you or it has categories. to places on time. No. No? Are you <gasps> late? Are you a constant late person? I'm or constantly late. Uh-huh. Wait, is your room constantly more on the clean side, though? No. Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Vanessa. <laughs> See, this is this is one of those ones where I'm going to be really, really off. Who else was I really off with? Uh, Anita. Uh-huh. An- another Arcadia person. So, because, like, what happens is, like, obviously, like, and this is me giving excuses, but, like, the nature versus nurture side of it, like... I think as you get older, it's harder to tell. Like... Hmm. No, I'll always be a P. Like... No, 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 as you get older, it's harder for you for instance to judge what somebody else is because we grow up and we get our like adult um exactly yeah oh well but Mm. the thing is it's like once you're an adult too like there's a lot less because i think you start to distinguish what you want to be versus who you are and i Mm. think like a lot of times when these high schoolers take these tests like i don't find it reliable like i don't find personality tests from that time reliable because they want to be something in particular like whatever they've been told is like ideal aspirational yeah yeah but i do have a sense that you're more s that which means uh sensory which means concrete like Mm -hmm. you're more of a concrete thinker definitely you like to deal with the trees rather than the forest yeah um, but you're probably an F where um, you make your decisions with your feelings versus like weighing out the pros and cons all the time. Like you trust your heart and your gut. Um, so she might be an ISFP, but I have a sense that she's actually an ISFJ, which is still, again, we're What's saying the, I'm, J? the J is judging, which again, you said you're not like a scheduled person. But there's um, so the ISFP is called uh, it's the artisan composer. And the artist and composer is like a same as Chris. What Sorry. did you just almost fall? I just burst. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was amazing. It, it like rocked your whole body. <laughs> it surprised me. I'm sorry. Uh, let's see. ISFPs. Um, they tend to be very sensitive. They tend to be artists. Um, I mean, not and not just like they call them the composer, but like a lot of times, like a lot of actors are actually ISFPs, Uh um, uh, because they're able to reflect feelings really well. Um, they're Mm. good, like readers of like body language. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, Chris sings an ISFP. Um, yeah, they're, like I said, they're more spontaneous and I don't think you're not that, but, and and maybe it is like your public face that, Mm. but, uh, the, uh, the ISFJ is called the protector and that's kind of where I see hmm, you maybe moving I'm like towards. In yeah. It, and it, there's always room for being on the, like a range. Like, so mm-hmm. if you can score up to 20 on this particular letter or that letter, like you can be like 60, 40 or 50, 50 ah, okay. or 30, 70, you know? So, um, but the protector, the guardian, like there's certain, things and people that you in institutions that you want to protect like Mm -hmm. there's a strong sense of like um right and wrong and um like the artisan wants to be seen as like more um, 
like playful. They don't like to dwell on like things that are hard. And I think ISFJs are much more like into looking like or being perceived as reliable and loyal um, and things like that. So that's I, I have a sense that you you lean more towards ISFJ, but that mm-hmm. you could be a P. Yeah. So now you need to go take the test and find out. For Isn't us. it like 500 <laughs> questions? Though? No, it's like 73, 75. <laughs> I think I think I have the test here. <laughs> Did you know you would have homework? I have homework from this podcast. <laughs> I, I, but because I'm a good student, I'm going to do it. <laughs> yes. She's going to score really high. But everybody scores really high because there's no grades to the test, which is great. Yes. But, but Asians it. don't understand that. They're like, wait, so what's the best personality? And you're like, no, that's not how it... That's not how... Okay, well, <laughs> more on that later once we figure this it's out. The power ranking. Yes. <laughs> What's going to make me a better lawyer? <laughs> like, I don't know. All of them are good. Oh. And bad. You're bad. Yeah, except for whatever April's person. No, INFJ, the counselor. That's a good one. Oh. See, there's ones that I prefer. Those kind of people I prefer dealing with. Versus others. <laughs> versus others. Yay. <laughs> She's like, I feel affirmed, question mark? I don't know. <laughs> sort of, not really. Um, well, yeah, uh, I guess... Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> can we cut out the, this, this awkward thing that I'm doing with my thumbs? It's like, I have two thumbs and they're just going straight up. <laughs> And they're staying there. <laughs> they're staying there. <laughs> Jay, do you feel less nervous than you did in the beginning? Do you feel like you did a good job? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think you were excellent. I think you were great. Oh my God. You were I knew awesome. you would yeah. be. <laughs> you were like, no, but seriously, like. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that you're such an amazing guest because you have kind of a different perspective than I think a lot of our guests mm. do, like who in the professional life are more in the like, I'm a dancer. I'm going to be creative and not be in the corporate world, which is like, I think, you know, you are in the corporate world, but you're still staying true to who you are and, uh, you know, affecting, <laughs> you know, positive social change. So right. I think that's very cool. Thank yeah. you for having me on thank you for being on can, can i just mention though that like we seriously had the same thought i was like i should just tell april that i want jade on the podcast <laughs> and then april's like hey vanessa. she beat me to it she was like hey vanessa what about jade i was like yeah <laughs> i don't even know how it happened it was seriously like fate so thank you it's my excessive facebook ranting isn't it? <laughs> which i you are not excessive at all no the only thing i've really read extensively is your monkeys <laughs> monkey trip okay, video you're gonna need to put some context on that. <laughs> <laughs> no and the podcast now and and scene all right thanks everybody thanks jade She went on a trip. She saw monkeys. They didn't bite her face off. (laughs) That's the context.